Welcome to Embrace Church. What is up? We are so glad that you all are here at all of our campuses. It is an absolute privilege to be with you today. Thank you for joining us for church. If I've not met you before, uh, my name is Travis. I get to be our campus pastor for our Sertoma campus on the west side of Sioux Falls. What is up, west side? Um, and uh, I am so pumped to get to start a brand new message series today at all of our campuses, and um, if you paid close attention last week, you know that the start of this series was supposed to be called uh, the Rhythm Series, and I was really excited about that personally because when I was in college, I used to participate in rap battles, and so I told our teaching team, I said, hey, since it's called the Rhythm Series, I could start the message off with a rap. That'd be really cool, and they said, yeah, I think we're going to call the series Made for This instead. And I said, oh, okay, you know, actually that might even be better because I kind of feel like I was made to rap, so it could still work. And they said no. Um, so <laughs> the series that we're starting today is called Made for This, and the heart behind this series is simple. We're going to look at the things that God says that we should focus on for our lives, and we're determining that based on how God designed us, what he said about us, and what he made us to do because knowing what we are made for it changes the story doesn't it like there's so much craziness in our life so many things vying for our attention we have so many options sometimes it's just nice to have a few non-negotiables a few things that we know that we have to prioritize because we were made to do them let me give you an example uh, my wife jesse and i we are expecting our first child in november very excited to welcome a baby girl into our lives absolutely very, very exciting, a little bit terrifying at the same time, but um, when we first started having that conversation, those of you who are parents know that is an uh, overwhelming conversation. There's so many different things to consider, right? You have to consider the emotional costs, like are we ready for a child? You consider the financial costs, the social costs of never being able to see your friends or ever have fun ever again. But one thing that you don't have to consider is who is going to have the baby, Right? Like when Jesse and I sat down, I didn't say, you know, honey, um, you live a pretty active lifestyle. Like you're a physical therapist, you're always moving around, you like to run, you like to exercise. I don't know if it would be best for you to carry the child. Um, me, on the other hand, I live a bit more of a sedentary lifestyle. I like to sit a lot, and I'd prefer to probably never work out ever again. So considering all those things, I think maybe I should have the baby. No. No, Jesse is carrying the baby, right? God made Jesse specifically, perfectly, and beautifully to carry a child. That doesn't even need to be a part of the decision-making process, right? Sometimes it's nice to just know what we were made to do. That way, no matter what is happening around us, we know that if we are doing what we were made for, that we are doing the exact right thing for ourselves. So each week of this series, we're going to focus on the incredibly important and meaningful things that God made us to do, and then we're going to talk about how we can apply that to the craziness that we call our lives. So as we hop into things today, I did a little bit of research for us on how God designed our physical bodies, and I thought that I would share some of the fun facts that I found. The first thing that I found is that we were made to yell. We were made to yell. Some of us know this because we have kids that scream, and it's like, yeah, you, you were made to yell, absolutely. Um, but did you know that when we yell, our brain, it actually turns down our hearing so that we don't deafen ourselves? I thought that that was really interesting. The second thing that I learned is that we were made to glow in the dark. 
That was kind of a light bulb moment for me. Oh. Uh, but it turns out our, our bodies give off light. You might not believe that, but it's only because um, our, our eyes aren't actually strong enough to pick up on the light that our body gives off, but we were made to glow in the dark. The third thing that I learned is that we were made to survive in water. Many of us know this, that when we're underwater for a long period of time, right, our fingers, they start to prune. That's so that we can grab stuff. Our heartbeat and other, other organs inside of us, it starts to adjust so that we're less likely to drown in water. I found that to be interesting. The fourth one, I need everyone's participation at all of our campuses. Um, if on the count of three, if you could just take a big, deep breath for me. So one, two, three. Awesome. We were made to shed. Um, The human body sheds about 600,000 particles of skin every hour. So it's a good thing that we are all a part of one body in Christ because when we took that deep breath, we probably breathed in the skin particles of our neighbors around us. Isn't that fun? And last but not least, and probably my personal favorite, is we were made to have rhythm. When we listen to music, our heartbeat will often sync up with the rhythm of the song that we are listening to. So if I would have been allowed to do my rap for you guys today, um, your hearts would have all synced up with the sick melody that I would have dropped on all of you today. So I'm sincerely apologetic that you are missing out on that today. But that is just a few things that God designed our physical bodies to do. But what about us? What about our spiritual bodies, like our very selves? What about the way that we go about our lives? What did God make us to do? Well, if you have your Bible with you, um, you can take it out and turn to Romans chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It'll be on the screen as well. But in this letter, Paul is writing to the church in Rome. And as in a lot of his, his letters, the goal of this letter is to encourage the church, to correct the church, and to remind the church as well what they are called to do and what they are made to do in Christ. So picking up in verse 1 of chapter 12, it says this. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. So he starts by saying, in view of who God is, in view of who God is and the way that he loves us, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Give of your whole self. In verse 3, he continues to say, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the, with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So he's saying, think about how you were made. Like, don't inflate the view of yourself, but think about how you're made. Think about how God designed you, the strengths, the gifts, the talents that God gave you. Think about all of those things. And he continues in verse 6. He says, we've been given different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I love these verses because they're kind of the crux of our very existence, right? They're the crux of who we are. We were all made differently and specifically, but to be a part of one body in Christ. And we've all been given different gifts and different measures of those gifts according to what God has decided. But, but regardless of the gifts that we've been given— Regardless of the talents that we've been given, we all have the same marching orders. We all have the same charge for our lives, and that is to give from what we have been given. We're all designed to give. So when we read these verses, there's an unavoidable theme that we were made by God to live a life of generosity. We're made by God to live a life of giving. And that is what we are going to focus the rest of our time on today. 
And now, admittedly, generosity, I feel like, is a word that our culture has kind of pigeonholed a little bit into only ever having to do with money. So I looked up the, genera- or, excuse me, the definition of what it means to be generous, and this is what the dictionary says. It says, a person who is generous is one who is liberal in giving and who is open-handed. In other words, someone who lives a life who's willing to give freely, right? Who's, who has a mindset of holding what they have loosely, which is kind of exactly what our verses are teaching us, right? It's saying take stock in who you are, take stock in what you've been given and the talents that you have, and live generously with them. I want to do an exercise for us today and go back to that charge that Paul gave all of us, and just as I'm reading through them, really think about what gifts maybe you have been given as Paul lays these things out. I add a couple extra words and different things to kind of really unpack this for us, but as I'm reading through it, just maybe even write down some things that you feel like God has gifted you to do at all of our campuses. If you've been given a special talent to serve and host other people, don't forget to do it. If you have a gift with your words or an ability to communicate and explain truths to other people, make sure that you are teaching others. If you have a talent for building up people and helping them to see the good in themselves, don't waste that gift. Encourage other people. If you know that God has given you resources and abilities and finances to bless other people, make sure that you are giving. If you can lead people, do it. Because not everyone can and we need leaders. And finally, if God has given you the gift to, um, to be merciful, just cheerfully pursue opportunities to care for other people. See, God has given each of us in the body of Christ different gifts, and we are charged to use those gifts to give and bless other people. So once we know that, we have to ask the question, what does it practically look like for us to walk out our God-given design to be generous? I'd say the first thing that we do if we want to live a life of generosity is we have to be willing, right? There's a story in scripture of a man who comes up to Jesus. He has a skin disease, and he says, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus responds with one of the most beautiful lines in all of scripture, in my opinion. Jesus says, I am willing. And he heals the man. If we want to live a life of generosity, we have to follow Jesus' lead, and we have to first Be willing. And to be clear, being willing to be generous is not a normal human response, right? We may be made for it, but it's not a natural inclination for us. So not only do we have to be willing to be generous, but we also have to be intentional. So being willing, it just means that we say yes when someone asks us to move, even when we're busy. Being intentional means that we actually set up margin in our day so when a friend calls us out of the blue, we can actually answer the phone. Being willing means that we take time to pray for someone on the spot instead of promising to do it later. Being willing means that we offer up our home to someone who needs a room even when our house is already full. Being willing means that we generously forgive someone even though they've scorned us time and time again. Being willing means that we say yes to helping with someone's rent rather than padding our own savings account. We have to be intentional with the words that we use, the kindness that we show, the love that we give, and the life that we lead. Why? Because we were made to do it. God designed us to be generous, and he made us to be givers. There's this old story of a farmer who grew award-winning corn. 
Every single year, he would enter his corn into a competition, and every single year, he would win. And finally, the newspaper, the local newspaper, picked up on that story, and they went out to visit the farmer, and they asked the farmer what his secret was to, to growing this award-winning corn every year. And the farmer said his secret was that he shared his seed corn with his neighbors. And the reporter was like, wait, how can you afford to share your seed with your neighbors? They're entering the same competitions as you are. Don't you want to win? And the farmer said, well, don't you know? Don't you know the wind? It picks up the pollen from the ripening corn and it swirls all around from field to field. If my neighbors grow inferior corn, when cross-pollination happens, that's going to degrade the quality of my corn. If I want to grow good corn... I have to help my neighbors grow good corn. See, God designed not only us, but the very earth to function in a constant state of generosity. God made our world to be one huge give and take. The corn, it cross-pollinates the sun, it gives life to the plants. Plants give oxygen to animals and every single one of us. God designed everything in all creation to give. He made us to be generous, but just like in the story, not only is it good and kind for us to be generous, but it is also better for us to be generous. Proverbs 11, it says this, it says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who, who waters will himself be water. Biblical generosity, generosity that's laid out and designed by God himself, says that when we give freely, we actually receive blessing in return. Isn't that crazy? Like, God loves generosity so much that he literally put it into the DNA of his creation. It's like putting gas into a car. When we put in generosity, the whole world starts and everything functions exactly as it should. But in the same way, when we aren't generous, the opposite is true. The proverb says that when we withhold what we should give, we actually suffer want. How counterintuitive is that? When we hang on to the things that we should give, when we hang on to the things that we feel like are going to make us safe and comfortable and secure, we're actually left wanting. Why? Because we were made to give. Right? And this verse from Proverbs is not plucked out of context from some random spot in the Bible. This is a process throughout all of Scripture where God designed everything in all creation to give. Paul says almost the exact same thing in 2 Corinthians 9-6. Paul says this, he says, remember this. Again, that's Paul's deal. He's always reminding us of how we were made. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But whoever sows generously will also reap Generously, the world is designed by God perfectly to function in a state of generosity. We hold what we have loosely. We give what we have freely. And in return, we receive back everything we could ever need. Jesus was cited in the book of Acts as saying that it's truly better to give than to receive. And he would know, wouldn't he? Jesus gave more than any of us could ever imagine. He was beaten and tortured and hung up on a cross. In the name of the most generous act in all of human history, he gave his very life for us, for our failures, for our sins, for our mistakes, so that we can spend eternity with God. That is what generosity was to Jesus. And yet in Philippians 2, here's what it says he gets in return. It says, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even to death on a cross. So he gave everything he had, but therefore... 
Therefore, because he did that, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus was generous to the highest level, and he was exalted in return to the highest level. God made us to give. He designed us to be generous, and when we are, he honors that. So wrapping things up today and reminding us all one more time that we have been given different gifts. We've been given different talents, different abilities, different resources, and different experience, all with the purpose of being willing to give them generously to those around us. And that is true with the good gifts that we've been given, but it's also true with our trials. It's also true with our hard experience as well. Jesus modeled perfectly for us that we are to live generously even when it hurts. We are to willingly, intentionally seek out a lifestyle of generosity, even when it's hard, even when it costs us everything. My wife Jessie and I have some good friends who've gone through uh, some hard times over the last couple of years. They, they desperately wanted to grow their family by having another child, and yet when they started trying, they had a miscarriage. And it breaks my heart to know that Across all of our campuses, my friends are not alone in having to face a tragic loss like that. And I'm truly sorry if you've experienced something like that. But our friends, they continued to try to have a baby, and they had another miscarriage. They continued to try, and they had another miscarriage, and they continued to try, and then they had another miscarriage. And I can only imagine the pain that they felt, the confusion that they had when they mourned the loss of those precious lives. They decided that they were still going to continue to try, though, and they sought some medical help, and um, they heard back from the doctors that it was both incredibly unlikely and really unsafe for them to continue to try naturally to have a baby, and if they wanted to grow their family, that they'd have to seek medical help. So that is the process that they decided to go, ta- go down, but in the meantime, um, Jesse and I started having conversations around what it would look like for us to grow our family. And even though those conversations didn't have to do with who was going to carry the child, um, we did have those conversations. Eventually we decided that we were going to start to have or try to have a baby. So in the first month it was great. Um, no positive pregnancy test, but let's just say it was still a good month. <laughs> then in month two, Still continue to try, no positive tests. Month three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, still no positive pregnancy tests. And if you've ever been in a similar circumstance to that, you know how devastating it can be, how discouraging it can be when you see your friends and your family around you seemingly being able to have a child whenever they want, um, but for some reason you've not been able to have yours. And it went on for 12, 13, 14 months, and we still weren't able to have a child. And so we decided that we were going to see a doctor as well. And unfortunately, we received a similar diagnosis to our friends. They said that without the help of medicine, that we would never be able to have a child on our own. And that devastated us. But I'll tell you this, because in that moment, our friends who experienced a similar thing, they reached out to us. They gave generously of their trial and their experience, and they told us that we were not alone. They told us that they loved us, that God is with us, and that we will get through this together. 
And now we all know how the story ended for Jesse and I. After 16 no's, we finally got our miracle. And we're so thankful for that. But unfortunately, um, that wasn't what happened for our friends. Even though they went through the exact same process as we did, they didn't get their yes. And you might be thinking, well, that is not the happy ending that we were promised. These guys, they sowed generously, right? They gave of what they have. Why aren't they reaping generously? These guys watered like crazy. Why aren't they being watered? They gave richly. Why aren't they being rich in return? I don't know why they weren't able to conceive a child like we were. But I do know that Jesse and I will be forever indebted to them. That we will forever love them and honor them and support them fiercely for the rest of our lives. And I do know that God still loves them and that he is still for them and that he adores them. And I also know that through this process, those two have never been closer to Jesus. And if that is how God chose to end our friend's story, well, it would have been good and perfect and exactly how it should be because they were generous and they were made to be generous. But that, for our friends, was not how the story ended. A couple weeks after failed tests with the help of medicine, our friends were able to get pregnant naturally on their own, and now they're expecting a baby boy in late November. Isn't God amazing? Isn't he extravagantly generous to us? And another consequence of us being generous and sharing our life with other people is we get to see God move and work all the more. See, our separate families were praying for a separate miracle. We were each praying for our own baby, but because our friends were willing to live generously with their life and share their life with us, instead of being a part of one miracle, we got to be a part of two miracles. God is extravagantly generous, and he made us to be the same way. Once more, we were made to live a life of willing and intentional generosity. We give of what we have been given because God did the same thing for us. We give of our gifts, our talents, our resources, and our trials because that is what we were made to do. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are a generous God that gives us everything we could ever want or need. God, and you do that through the person of Jesus. You do that through the people in our lives that you give us. God, we praise you for that. And we trust you. Teach us to trust you even more no matter what we're facing. And teach us to share and give generously from what we have been given, Lord. We love you. We love you. We trust you. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.